Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of Weaver Myth Season 5. We're here to talk about tabletop role-playing games and everything related to playing them online. I'm Eric, and joining me tonight from staff are Amy. Hello. And Colin. Howdy, everyone. We're all staff from Mythweavers, one of the largest play-by-post gaming websites in existence and home to the largest set of online role-playing game character sheets anywhere on the web. As always, Weaving Myths airs live on Twitch here on the first and third Saturdays of every month, and we're joined by the impeccable Twitch chat tonight. Hello, Twitch chat. All right, Colin, take it away. All right, so we are going into, as our first genre, hard science fiction. So I shift notes over so I can see what I'm doing. Yeah, you should really do that. Read those notes. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we doing with genres anyway? I mean, what's so, the whole point of this? What we're doing is we're grouping games together by form, style, or the subject matter to help promote a shared understanding, you know. When someone talks about, hey, hard science fiction or high fantasy or things like that, we're talking about ways to kind of understand both what you as the GM are advertising and what you as the player are looking at. So we're going to be tackling genres the entire season, and we're going to cover a lot of ground, everything from what you would consider kind of a primary genre to dealing with subgenres to hey what if we're taking science fiction and fantasy and mashing them together exploring possible combinations that you see at least somewhat commonly right and as you said earlier uh tonight we're just going to go tack we're going to go straight into the the one of the most difficult ones and if you looked at our notes and all of the different research that we did and the different positions we came into, uh, I think you'd probably agree that hard science fiction is not easy to uh, to tackle. No, it it's it's not. It's oh, how best to say it? It's very philosophical. Um, it, it's not even theoretical. It's Hard sci-fi, the root of it is how civilization deals with technology, uh, which is a very heady and philosophical topic. So, uh, yeah. So we chose, let's get the hard part over with first, I think. That's definitely not why we chose that first, but... Yeah. Eric. Sure. Okay, (laughs) fine. I like hard sci-fi. It's a thing for me. And so I wanted to do it, and so I put it on the list because no one else was writing notes. So I and you looked it. at the wrong part of the list. Whatever. Anyhow, <laughs> science. Science fiction is about advanced technology, the things that haven't been invented yet, or uh, some sort of futuristic. Uh, though it's important to note that that's really relative to where you stand at your current time, because at one point, Frankenstein, Jules Verne, all science fiction. Yeah, I mean, Frankenstein is classic, and I do believe it came before Jules Verne, but The Time Machine is a science fiction show. It's not, it, it's not civilization. I mean, he's on the cusp of the Industrial Revolution and everything, so uh, they're making these great leaps and bounds in technology, uh, but particularly it's this one character 
dealing with the time machine and technology. Then you have um, in the future, you have the other races dealing with technology in a dystopian future, so to speak, too. It, I guess it could be considered one of the first dystopians, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of overlap with dystopia and sci-fi, but we're going to kind of try to disentangle them for the most part and just talk about yeah. science, really. Yeah, and it's just... I mean, look at Minority Report. How are they dealing with the precogs and this future crimes division? And what happens when they get it wrong? Um, a classic episode of Star Trek Voyager was dealing with the Omega Particle and Janeway for a good portion of the episode has to keep everything to herself. I mean, she's trying to figure out how to deal with this and um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, Frankenstein could be considered probably the first science fiction work in long form. I mean, I'm sure there were short stories before then, but in long form, I think Frankenstein probably is the first one. Um, I won't and you too hard on that. Um, but yeah, definitely relative to the time that it came from. You look at um, a lot of Asimov's work was really very futuristic and very uh, Arthur C. Clarke as well. Like this one, like Foundation. Like Foundation. Um, look at it now and tastes have kind of changed and some of like Arthur C. Clarke's or Ray Bradbury's um, aren't as future mm -hmm. looking. Yeah, as 2001 they, is not that, yeah, uh, not that far 2010. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so you have to keep that in mind. And again, Usually, but not always, because space is the great frontier for us now. That's where science fiction goes. But if you look at uh, Sequest, mm -hmm. that's a science fiction show. And it was all about exploring the oceans that we really haven't explored. The abyss. On our, on our own oh, planet. Yeah. So doesn't have to be out in space. True. Must we? <laughs> Must. Oh, boy. Hey. It's a good example, and for the time, it actually wasn't bad. You go back and watch Babylon 5, and it hurts sometimes, too. Yeah, or um, Battlestar Galactica, the originals. Oh, God. Yeah. But at the time, <laughs> it wasn't bad at all. So, so go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to ask, so how do you distinguish between hard science fiction and soft science fiction, I guess, is the opposite of hard yeah, um, I would personally say on a high level how heady and philosophical it is about its about civilization or individuals dealing with technology. Um, so uh, for a genre for a game, that's what I would lean towards. There's some other good guidelines versus we're just having fun in the setting with advanced technology. See, I, I tend to look at the technology aspect. Yeah. I mean, there's all the sorts of definitions. Yeah. Well, you know, do the ships fly like spacecraft or do they fly like a World War II fighter? 
to steal one of Eric's examples, you know. Star yeah. Wars. Sorry. They don't fly like that. This is space, not an episode but... of World this is not an episode of Doctor Who where you send up um Right. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Timey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, reasonable science, as Tiffany points out. Yep. Yeah. Techno babble compared to that might be real. And so now we talk about, well, does does faster than light travel fit in hard sci-fi? Well, we don't have any mechanism yet, but there are a couple theoretical ones that are out there. So maybe there's some margin there for faster than light being still in that hard sci-fi. You know genre when it wouldn't have been maybe you know 30 40 years ago when there just was no way of thinking about potentially going faster than light no mathematical solution right 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 and now there are mathematical solutions not necessarily conductive to human travel but <laughs> or practical to achieve the amount of energy that you need to do it right, right. I mean, the faster than light the ones you typically see in hard sci-fi are some sort of tunneling that is, you know, using man-generated wormholes or natural wormholes, something like that. Or, or some der derivation thereof, yeah. Uh, the one I always liked was uh, the Honor Harrington book series by David Weber using gravity waves to propel the ship. Using, you know, an energy sail to catch onto the grav wave and ride with it. Remind me Clark's second law, Tiff. Oh, that's the any indistinguishable or any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, right? That is going to be a point number D. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get that. We're gonna get there here in a second. We're, uh, yeah, we are. Yeah, uh, you're not gonna have energy shields. There's just no conceivable way of generating an energy shield right now that actually does what you see in Star Wars or Star Trek. Right. Plasma can be created in a shield, but it takes a very, it takes an oval-like opening to be able to do it to... Large it's amount just of not... energy. Yeah. Yes. And you're going to get lasers, but you won't see them. I'm Frickin firing my lasers. lasers at you. Freaking lasers at you. And it's just going to be this silent darkness, and then holes are going to start appearing in your ship. Shut up, Right. Sonny. Okay. We're not going Vusia type uh you know martial arts here it's just not going to happen in hard sci-fi sorry <laughs> yeah but the lasers that you see now that are continuous that you do actually see the color aren't high enough energy output to be damaging right. except to your eyes well, um, and, and when you see the color that's because there's oh intervening particles of the air that are diffracting some of that light and so that you can see it right. in space there's none of that as opposed, yeah, hard sci-fi, it's going to be something like, let's see, uh, oh, going back to the Honor Harrington, fusion bomb, you know, reaction x-ray and... laser. You don't see the laser, you just see, oh god, that just blew apart. Yeah, and, and to be perfectly honest, I see missiles more than lasers, because lasers are so high energy. Oh, that's what Honor Harrington draining. is, Amy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about that when we get to systems, about systems that focus on yep. kinetic energy weapons are still pretty darn cool because you can point and you know where it's going. Exactly. Uh, cybernetics and enhancements such as that um, are not that far off. We got people running around with cybernetic limbs now. Mm -hmm. That they actually do use the muscle memory 
Um, oh, they're starting to tap directly than, into brainwaves now. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they're so. doing some fantastic stuff. So, and fully autonomous robots, we're getting there too. So, um, too bad we can't queue up the video of the Boston Dynamics. Uh, no. Oh God, the dancing guys, guys doing the dancing. Um, yeah, chubby checker. Oh jeez. Yeah, it was hilarious. Awesome. Yeah. Get in trouble with that. <laughs> All right, so All right. elephant in the room time. What about magic? Clark's second law. Magic. I, it, it's just Clark's second law. Anything thoroughly advanced enough seems like magic. Um, also, in sci-fi settings, your mental scion abilities happen, mm -hmm. are the magic. Um, the ability to be able to use your mind over matter. Uh, Star Trek, the guys uh, in the cage. I can't remember the name of the race. Big heads, pulsing veins on their heads. Way seemed really, really magical, but their brains are just that more advanced. Q. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to have to cut in there because when you said the gigantic pulsing brains and veins and things, I think Madeline Lengel and uh, Wrinkle in Time. You mean? Yeah. Let's see. Oh no, she's got it. That one, yes, science fiction. It's one of my favorite books. Totally. I like it too. Science it's on fiction. A shelf back there. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Telosians. But uh, yeah, uh, Q is magic. It's also a plot device, but he's magic. But he's thir so thoroughly far advanced. At least. He's uh, not often. Yeah. Um, did I not grab that? Oh, that's one of my favorite series. Uh, Anne McCaffrey's Tower in the Hive, which is following on uh, the Pegasus series, which they use AI ships and telepathy. It's still, they're dealing with technology um, and how they're developing this technology. Um, but it's, it's technology is the key aspect. Yeah. It's not something where it's just mm -hmm. eldritch voodoo. Right spirits from beyond that aren't something right that you can it, point to not, a rule of science that's governing it it's not mysticism it's not the occult it's metaphysical and technology technological yeah and, um, well and a lot of it traces back to the argument that the human brain currently uses so little of its potential that well you know could happen could not happen what happened no one can say what it happened? can't yeah. exactly i mean so, but yeah, it, it really comes down to you have the Eldritch, the Arcane, the Occult, the Mystical. That's your magic, which goes into science fantasy or fantasy. Mm -hmm. um, and then the metaphysical and the technological or the advanced technological is the supernatural and not supernatural, the preternatural in, or in science Super fiction. Superhuman. Super. Right, mutant, that sort of thing. Yeah, transhumanism yeah. will come up later. <laughs> Prep yourself for it now; it's coming. Dun dun dun. So uh, yeah, Go and ahead. I think that's that's probably the important part. There is that you could you could write a constrained setting that just says it only uses technology that we know now, but that wouldn't be any different than modern fantasy. Yeah. Another one. Sorry, I forgot to grab this one when we talked cybernetics. Oh yeah, Neuromancer. It's a great book. 
So, I mean, most systems are going to have some sort of twist or angle or opening through which the sci-fi is going to be viewed, a lens into the future. Uh, yeah. So, like, trying to think here. What's a good armor? Mm-hmm. Kind of it. Yes, there's all sorts of technology, but it is also about the character um, and how he views the technology and what he's doing and how talking to people who are using the same technology. Um, and it's a good one with the twist, so to speak. Just trying to think of others. Um, Stargate. Stargate's a good one. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Robotech. You had, or Macross, but you had the, the um, ship fall. And humans took it and learned from it. And then had to deal with the consequences of it. Uh, oh, yeah. Ender's Game. That was a good twist at the end. Mm. <laughs> hey, you're actually fighting the war. All those games, you really are fighting this war already. Anyway, sorry. Continue. <laughs> Amy Ramble? What? Ta no. you haven't read Ender's Game by now, tough. Yeah, sorry. I spoiled. Okay. But, yeah. <clears throat> if this gives you any uh, idea of how old and how loved this book is. There's no duct tape. You... Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, he... The husband doesn't like putting duct tape on books. This is completely clear taped over. The cover's clear tape. <laughs> the okay, packs. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You really should have read it or at least watched the movie. It wasn't that bad of an interpretation, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Still haven't seen the movie. It's okay. It's worth an evening in. Yeah, sure. Red Once it comes up free on the streaming service, I'll watch it. Yeah, fair enough. All right. So yeah. that's, yeah. I think we got our groundwork laid. It's not worth <laughs> an evening. Jimmy has an alternate opinion he'd like to express. Unfortunately, he's not actually on the show, so we're only going to tangentially mention it. Yeah, I wasn't even going to mention it because he doesn't dare get on the show, so. Shots fired. All right. All right <laughs> so, so now... With that, I think we can transition to like some of the systems that are commonly played out and about, but uh, we'll put our own specific focus on playing those systems in play-by-post on Mythweavers um, and how things do or do, don't work and you know, kind of some of your best practices, but just kind of a big picture of what, those, what the settings and game systems are that are out there that, are, uh, that lend themselves to role-playing hard sci-fi. With an important uh, caveat, it is not an exhaustive list. Oh, there's no way it can be an exhaustive list. So, no. so please don't hit us up later wow. going, well, you forgot this system, this system, this system. No. In fact, we are consciously yes, leaving we out some things. Did. No, no. Sometimes we consciously <laughs> left them out. Like, guess what? GURPS can do anything. You can build a hard sci-fi game with GURPS. We don't generally recommend playing GURPS on Mythweavers. Not because it can't be done, but because the amount of additional tables and spreadsheets and calculations that you want to do pretty much lend themselves to having some sort of offline resource. And at that point, 
two hours later, you have your sailboat. Yeah. Well, okay, so there's a lot of effort that goes into <sighs> playing GURPS. If that's your boat, I'm not going to tell you not to, but we're not going to focus on it here. Space Master. There's just no way to do that. Oh, goodness. Play by post. Roll Master is the best system for rolling dice if you would like to roll dice and look up on big tables. <laughs> but <laughs> not, play, not play by post. Uh, we're not... We didn't pull up uh, Star Frontiers or, uh, from you know the old TSR days. Actually, went back oh, yeah. past that. Not everything's great. Yeah, there's that. Yeah, too. okay. So GURPS isn't that rough. You can constrain it, <laughs> um, and eventually, if you constrain it enough, it looks like fate. And we're going to talk about fate. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So, but I will go back to the beginning because if you want a system that is in a setting that's designed to be hard sci-fi, you can go all the way back to 1977 with Traveler, which has been through a number of editions. The most recent Mongoose took over publishing of it, I don't know, what, 15, 20 years ago now? And uh, second edition came out in 2016. So relatively recently updated. It's got it, the full gamut of sci-fi technology. So you can, you can go to current level technologies. You could actually back it up to the past. You could go into extreme future Dyson Sphere, you know, artificial suns, yeah, whatever you want to do. Yeah, okay, 40K. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about that right now. Uh, it's actually relatively easy to constrain the, uh, the Mongoose Traveler just to uh, kind of that hard sci-fi edge of either no faster than light travel or limited faster than light travel with that the jump space rules. Um, it looks a lot like the Alcubierre metric. You want to be my artificial son, Jimmy. You are awesome. You can be my boy anytime. That's going to get really creepy in July, Eric. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really creepy. Dad! You know he'll remember that too, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to start something that you don't want to finish. If, if uh, anyone's wondering what it's like being on the site staff... We yeah, troll each know. other and we give each other crap constantly, and sometimes it gets weird. Uh, yeah. yeah. Chimi, for those that don't know, Chimi is one of the site moderators. <laughs> oh, I need to make those plugs. Dear God. Anyway. Okay, moving on. Yeah, so, I mean, the jump space rules that you've got in Traveler, uh, they, they look to me an awful lot like this Alcubierre metric that you know, has recently had another solution identified for it albeit one that requires more energy than we have in the universe. But, you know, there's a solution. It's mathematical work. Um, but, it's yeah, jump space. We're, we'll, talk, we'll talk about, you know, things that look like jump space a lot in all these systems because it's it's kind of the most common technology leap that we consider to be out there, some way of bending space-time to our will to uh, to make the distance shorter uh, or, the, or us go faster. Uh, over that same distance uh but traveler um it already recognizes that kinetic energy weapons are just inherently more scientific than most of the energy weapons that are postulated by sci-fi so there's page upon page of missiles and rockets and guns and paintball i actually saw saw paintball in there as a as an actual weapon um so and... you've got You've Zero your... gravity, low gravity, that would be nasty. 
Uh, yeah, you really wouldn't want to. No, that would be, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Just the, the thought was like, that would be bad. <laughs> sorry, I tangent. No, no, I... no it's not a, not a problem. I like your tangent. Uh, and there's, as I said, there's a lot of stuff in there. So when you add that all up across all the different technologies, it's about a 300-page core rulebook, uh, which you can still get for the bargain, bargain low price of about 50 pounds if you want to go buy one. Um, so it's kind of a fairly intense, crunchy system, but it's not so crunchy that I would say that you can't play it on play-by-post because you can cut out the sections that you don't need and get it down to something that's probably pretty reasonable uh, in terms of the number of rules that you have to keep uh, keep in your head. Yeah, don't roll for your character. Just oh no 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 traveler <laughs> traveler has that built-in mini game oh, it has since just, the original oh. you can actually die during yeah. character creation who doesn't like dying during character creation amy i'll be honest <laughs> i i still haven't jumped into traveler it's on my list but well we'll get into what i went with instead of traveler back when i was looking for a sci-fi system that that's coming Oh yeah, we'll get there. Save your save your beverages. All right, so yeah, no, no, (laughs) you don't get that. Doesn't count. We didn't mention it. You mentioned it. So uh, yeah, that travel that traveler is, uh, I think, a really good option to get into hard sci-fi if you're looking for something that plays well and play by post because there's not. Well, there's a bunch of mechanics. There's not a lot of mechanics that say, oh, wait, hold that thought while I interrupt it with this other thought. Everything is very turn-based, especially the um, the ship-to-ship combat. Um, yeah. It's almost stately. These turns and everyone does their thing. And everyone kind of has a role. So in general, you can try and keep everyone engaged when you're in kind of this alternate combat mode of ship-to-ship instead of person to person but there's lots of rules for person to person and ground-based stuff when you're moving uh from from one you know one place within the soul system to another place within the soul system anyway that's my spiel on traveler i (laughs) i like it i'll stick with it it's not bad i played it uh face to face i haven't played it playback post and i enjoyed it i didn't die I had a friend die in character creation and I sighed a relief, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, the best part about that is that you can actually make it part of the application process if you want. <laughs> if your character survives Must. creation, you may be considered. Well, yeah, but you can always roll up another one. Let's just keep going until application period's over. Okay, All right. fine. Enough about Traveler. Moving on, Diaspora. So it's built on the Fate version 3 rules, so it's going to feel a little out of date for the people that are more familiar with Fate Core, but it's proof that you don't need hundreds and hundreds of pages to have a good hard sci-fi system. Yeah, it's... uh... Okay, Fate Core is really streamlined, but Fate V3 is yeah. is actually not that bad. No. Oh, it's whatever, not. Amy. Don't give me a system I haven't played before then. Diaspora? Yeah. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah. You, you picked it. Um, 
or someone picked picked you for it. But yeah, that's what we're here for. Is we got your back. Uh huh. I blame um, Amy. So uh, Diaspora is is made by Evil Hat, and we're going to talk about another Evil Hat game here in a second. Yeah, and they're both using the fate rules. What mm -hmm. Diaspora came first, as it did, right? Yeah, and it it hasn't been updated uh, as recently. Uh, I can't remember the the last publication date on it, but I want to say it was yeah in the early 2010s. Um, partly because Fate V3 got supplanted by Fate Core and Fate Accelerated and yeah, yeah other ways to Fate now. And and from what I understand, Diaspora is um, more about uh, the civilization and basically your role within the larger culture right there's a big section on setting generations so it's it's big shtick is the cooperative effort of kind of building the setting that you're going to play in which gets your players really invested um and yes so that much i think is really awesome uh Sounds it's got a, little a different... powered by the apocalypse the way you describe it uh there's a little bit of that in there there's hints because that's kind of where fate yeah there was a Fate that went off in that direction too. I, I do think, via, yeah, via spirit of the century. Yeah, yeah, I do think that powered by the apocalypse is probably a little baby or cousin of fate. <laughs> Let's be honest. Right. Um, a, a diaspora has the uh, a slipstream mechanic for getting between the star clusters. It's a little bit different than everything else, but it's it's kind of the same same concept of trying to limit the amount of movement that you have between your local system and your mm -hmm. yeah oh boy kissing cousins yeah we're yeah we're, we're headed down the tubes when it comes to talking fate systems here um yeah that's fun i think it's a fun play um it's a little bit on kind of that darker edge and we'll talk about more about um kind of the post-apocalyptic or um, dystopian uh, further. Diaspora is not quite uh, quite that far down, but it definitely has the, uh, the grittier feel mm -hmm. of when you're out there, you're out there. And it's not like, you know, help's going to come in the form of uh, someone dropping out of hyperspace to, to pick you up and rescue you. Right. Sorry, Captain Riker is not showing up. Certainly not from the future. Yeah. Because he's got a sexy voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess next we move on to the other Fate offering. Um, Tachyon Squadron. This is for the Fate Core, Fate Accelerated. Um, it's This one is more based around actual combat, ship combat. Uh, you're in an actual squadron. It's about your interactions with the other members of the squadron, the challenges that you're dealt, and um, combat, things like that. It's more of a, I would actually say it's more in the line of Spirit of the Century as far as the tone tonality of it. It sounds more pulpy. It, yeah, the diaspora. I mean, think Rogue Squadron. That's, that's what this is. Mm-hmm. And they did, in the books, Rogue Squadron did some great... I mean, they were a special operations force, so they did all sorts of stuff. 
uh, undercover and everything as well. So that's that's more what Tachyon is. Um, but your Fate Core, Fate Accelerated, you can find most of those rules for free. Um, the the setting book that has more specifics and ships and stuff like that, you're going to have to buy. But it really Fate has a learning curve for someone used to like a D20 system. Excuse me. Someone used to a D20 system. It is a different take on things. Mm -hmm. But don't be afraid. It's not as difficult as you think. And it's a lot more narrative. And which really helps you when you're in a play by post mm -hmm. environment. Yeah. Where narrative and, space is at a premium. And free. There's a lot of <laughs> You don't have to roll driving every block like some GMs make you roll and call a Cthulhu. Um, but, I mean, it's not as crunchy as other systems. There's a lot of... It's not a bad read. Um, Setting-wise, you're talking so about... Yeah. Well, even Fate is not a bad read. Setting-wise, it's not that big of a book, mm -hmm. and it is not that small of text. So, hey, look, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy, I've played Fate. You know, Ruben got me to play Fate for his Dresden files. I'm still not running to jump into the system. Mostly to spite people, but, you know. <laughs> It, it, you get just like any other system out there you get a good person running it and it doesn't matter mm -hmm. whether you know the rules or not you're having fun but again this one is more the squadron rather and special operations things like that rather than diaspora and that's the differences and newer system yep there's that um you want to talk about a, a big setting-based uh, book with a system. Uh, we can talk about Eclipse Phase. Uh, that's a lot more pushing that edge of the boundary of what's current technology. Um, there's a lot of transhumanism in it. In fact, one of the core mechanics is the ability to uplift, upload your mind into a backup somewhere and then download it into a different body so you can actually <laughs> swap out your entire physical form in between missions or or adventures um but you're still the same person part of the <laughs> concept then grapples with well what defines you when you put yourself into a computer and they make a copy at what point does you begin and end and something else begin and end mm -hmm. how much ownership do you have over your own memory and history oh what is that problem um Theseus's boat. Um, Theseus's ship paradox. Uh, basically, God. you're replacing a board at a time. And mm -hmm. when does it stop being Theseus's ship? Or does it ever stop being Theseus's ship? Don't uh, forget the uh, other part. If you take all the rot out of the original wood and rebuild it. Yeah. You can end up with two ships that are Theseus's ship. I mean... Which is the real one, or both the real one, or neither the real one. Mm -hmm. Exactly, has... and that's... 
God, that paradox has come up in a few different things I've watched recently. Gee, one I, I can't wonder mention. what you might be... Spoilers. No, I think it came up recently in Warehouse 13, too, because I'm re-watching that. Oh, it could. It could. They're... Yeah. Yeah. Very recently, yes. <laughs> Tiffany. Um, there's a lot of emphasis in Eclipse Phase on the post-apocalyptic aspects. There was you know, massive shenanigans that caused Earth to be completely ruined, and um, yeah, civilization exists in a, a wide variety of little bubbles around the solar system. There's limited transportation communication, certainly not faster than light until you get into kind of the the very edges of the system. But it's it's mostly focused on the character aspects of um, dealing with all of the outfall of you know gigantic uh, AIs and and uh... okay yes Tiff it is crunchy um, I will not deny that um, one of the one of the fun parts about Eclipse phase you're gonna roll a lot of bones um, that's also one of the downsides so when you talk about Eclipse phase in a play-by post type of world you have to look at when are the dice adding value to your game and when are they just getting in the way of getting things done mm-hmm. uh, I, i'm not gonna lie about the uh um yeah the the d100 system uh, that's uh, yeah i i like it um but it's you know the, the level of granularity makes you think that, well, really, it'll matter when I'm rolling all the time. Uh, when, in fact, if you're predominantly likely to succeed in a task, it's really incumbent on the GM to kind of hand wave, just like I often do. You know, the, the whole idea of the take 10, take 20 in the D20 system was to overcome that stupid level of failure where I'm reasonably competent in this, but I can't make it work in this one scene, and it's just we're stuck because we can't pick this lock. Right. Uh, Tiffany's, uh, <laughs> Tiffany goes on to say it may be too much setting in some ways. Um, that can be true of a lot of things. Uh, I, you know, I, I can, you know, jump out of sci-fi for a second and go into another one of my favorite systems with stars without, or not stars. Didn't say <laughs> it, didn't finish it, didn't finish it. No need to drink. <laughs> C, another S system. There's a whole lot of setting behind that one. Um, and you can really get immersed in it. Um, you can also get lost in it. Um, so I, I think it's incumbent if you're going to run Eclipse phase, you also need to, to neck it down to this is the aspect that we're going to focus on in this game. That goes into a point uh, that one of our side editors uh, you know, gave to us, which was you always have to take into account the characters and the player's motivations in playing a hard science fiction game, because it's about exploring that consequence of the technology. And if you have different thoughts about what those consequences are going to be, just like the three of us had different thoughts about what the, you know, what this was all going to be about when we started talking about it, you may end up in a place where the game's just not fun for anyone because no one's getting the, the outcome that they thought they were going to get coming in. Right, and you, you, and to be clear, when you first open up your ad, when you're running it, about what you're expecting out of the game, you've got 
to communicate with your players and your players have to be able to communicate with you. Which is really the key. Yes, you with your water, Amy. So easy for her to say communicate. I Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) I had to get another beer for what's coming. (laughs) Just for you, Tiffany. All right, so going into the next system, what could it possibly be? What could it possibly be? Yeah, right. So another hard sci-fi system is, or at least in our opinions, is Stars Without Number, which, let's face it, I've rambled about a lot. Yep. A lot. Yes, you have. In fact, mm-hmm. we didn't. Neither Amy nor I bothered to write any notes. I, you just when left I wrote it, it alone, in, I was and like, notes and Colin's happened. gonna talk here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So, Stars Without Number is a post-post-apocalyptic setting in its base form. Shush, Tiffany. Tiffany is one of the uh, acolytes of the system. That shall not be named. Mm-hmm. Post-post-apocalyptic. <laughs> so this is so, further further post than Eclipse phase, which is kind of like relatively recently picking up the pieces of the mess right stars without numbers more like you're you know 600 years later humanity getting back to the stars that which survived it's got you've got a lot more of a feel of there's a little bit of firefly feel to it there's a little bit of well a lot of not necessarily early sci-fi but there's a lot of the exploration involved and you know okay there's there's ruins, there's lost tech, there's this, that, and the other, you know. Humanity's known systems got hit by some cataclysm and all the advanced tech is gone and doesn't work. And So you're back to using this little old uh, tunneling type we mentioned earlier. One of the common FTL methods is something like a wormhole generation. So that's what you see in Starts Without Number. You've got psionics, which... Again, mental power is kind of a gray area with hard sci-fi, but they explain it with, oh, exposure to the energies from drilling through space are what cause the emergence of psionics. So they kind of cover all that. You get your cyberware, your bionic-type enhancements, but those come with penalties. You don't just get to upgrade your muscles. Okay, you're stronger, but maybe psionic healing doesn't work as well. Maybe medicines aren't as effective. You start adding up strains to your body the more enhancements you put into it. So it's it's very much in keeping with the hard sci-fi feel of, you know, there's a balance to things. Yeah, you can toss in technology to replace your organic eyeballs, but there's an impact as a result. Yeah. This is the Theseus both paradox again, because it's yes. at what point do you stop being you, the human, and start being you, the robot? Yeah. Well, and it gets to a point you got too many enhancements, and, well, guess you're healing naturally because medicine's not working and psionics aren't working. And then there are, there's an entire section in the revised edition rules, the most recent rules, specifically for running transhuman campaigns. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Tiffany. Yes, all the squishy bits. So yes, there's even established rules for transhuman campaigns, and one of the great things about the system is it's not super crunchy. It really isn't. I'd say it is less crunchy than even 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. So how much of that gigantic rules compendium would you say is setting versus rule? You know, uh, most of system. it is setting. It really is. Um, another massive... Well, here, one moment, one moment. Let me grab it for you, Eric. I knew you would. Oh, yes, of course I would. Let's see. Oh, so... Gravy, I've got the PDF. I forgot how big that was. So... There is your Stars Without Number um, rule book. Yeah, yeah, drinking, drinking, drinking. Um, yeah, most of it really is, well, there's a lot of setting. There's, hey, you know, there's an entire chapter just on things like transhuman. There's an entire chapter on AI and playing an AI character instead of an organic but you also have a lot, there's a great section, and I know it's been mentioned many times in the past, there are die rolling tables for making worlds, for making governments, for making organizations, for determining this, that, and the other. So even if you're not into the system itself, there's roll tables you can use to create stuff for other games. And I know people that have used stuff like the organization roll tables for their fantasy game so there's a lot of stuff now so you've got that and then you've got all the splat books which a few of us that were kickstarters like tiffany then there's that and that is yeah it'll go splat when you drop that on your foot yeah no no this this eric is called the uh well i call it the player correctional device Hey, I've got it upside down. Yep, there we go. <laughs> but yeah, so this is all the splat books. And the great thing is all the splat books are backwards compatible. Or forward compatible. Well, so at least that got that much in common with GURPS then. Yes, just without the hell that is, let's do some calculus to make your vehicle. Yeah, how about that? How about those Delta V calculations to figure out your orbital mechanics? <laughs> Hello, Kerbal Space Program. <laughs> no, no, no. We're going to do them by hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Somebody <laughs> needs to make a Kerbal Space Program RPG. They, they no, really no, do. they really don't. <laughs> Bad Amy. No treat. But yeah, and like Tiffany points out, it's a great resource to borrow from. So the great stuff is not only, you know, Obviously, I adore the system. We all knew this. If you're new to the podcast, well, I adore this system. But yeah, it has yeah. a lot of stuff you can rip out of it or borrow from it and apply to other systems, other settings without much effort. So. Hey, we're, we'll, we'll throw shade at Hero System, too. Don't worry. <laughs> Hero System, Roll Master, there's plenty of ways to waste your time with dice and, and numbers. Right. But, yeah. Let's shift into near future local system sci-fi. No faster than light, Eric. 
okay, fine. <laughs> I mean, unless you All want right. me to talk about the Church of Stars Without Number more. Damn you. I know Tiffany's all for it, but why torture the rest of the chat? All right. Moving on, then. Um, so say you want something that's a little more near future. Say you want something that's got a widely understood published setting. Maybe even something where there was a well-known TV show about it. No, I'm not talking about Stargate. Though I would. No, I'm talking about The Expanse, um, which is a great hard sci-fi show. Um, obviously, there's aspects of it that are kind of pushing the limits because that's you have to have that angle to kind of explore uh, explore new things. Um, but we're basically dealing with the only way you're going faster than light is through the wormhole system, um, which is not exactly a, a walk in the park. Um, you've got the proto molecule stuff, which is you know kind of pushing that you know that uh, the edges of uh, humanism there, but. For the most part, everything obeys the laws of physics, and no one's gonna be, um, you know, jump jetting around like a, uh, uh, you know, USS Enterprise. Uh, it's it's all about the science. But what I really like about the Expanse RPG is that um, they took all of that hard calculation stuff and um, really simplified it down so that. You know that the rigors of space are out there, but you're not having to, you know, spend 15 minutes trying to figure out how to make this uh, orbital calculation to get from Earth to Jupiter, so that you can go, um, you know, go do a mission out there on some uh, orbital platform. Um, and I think the other really good aspect here is that it's a well-established existing setting but it's not been going on for so long or people aren't so invested in it that it's created this gigantic compendium that you have to know everything about in order to really participate in so yeah um i actually have not played the expanse rpg uh but i ran across it when i started doing research for well what makes a good science fiction and particularly good hard science fiction and this was one that was commonly recommended out there uh, among the community of gamers um, simply because of the ease of pick up and go so mm -hmm. again not free recently kickstarted no. um, but uh, uh, not free uh, but you can get you can find it out there and I personally don't feel that it's you know too expensive certainly uh, certainly not any more than any of these other systems that we're talking about um, and it's it's a good quick pickup a read and maybe for some people a good intro to well maybe I should go pick up that uh, that great TV show on a streaming service and go or myself read the books. The books are good too. My my husband's been enjoying the show, but he loves the books. They were really well written. He thought the characterization and everything, but and and they're and they're they're enmeshed you're not having to deal nearly as much with sometimes when you get a book series and the tv show they they kind of do one of these game of thrones things yeah no this is actually from what i've seen really good it's doing what it can to stick to the story within a different medium i mean yes. there's always going to be i'm going to tangent here and i don't apologize um <laughs> you never what do. can you have no, I don't. Uh, one thing you do have to remember when your beloved book series or anime series or whatever goes into a different medium is that 
um, adjustments have to be made because it is a different medium. Exposition's really hard to do in movies. Um, really bad at pacing, but it could be an interesting read in a book. And there's time that you've got to time constraints and pacing and everything. So there will be differences. You're, there will be compromises that have to be made and just take that into account. I know people who hated the Lord of the Rings movies and for what they were in the time that they had allotted for a movie versus the books, I thought it was fantastic. Understanding I mean, that compromises had to be made. Literary purists. Yes. Okay. Yeah, some of those compromises Sorry. were better than others. But for the most part, uh, yeah, one of the yeah, one of the critical aspects of of the Expanse RPG is that it's it's pretty much true to the to the story of the books and of the TV show, and yeah, I think that draws people in a lot more than yeah. when you get something. Okay, yes, there is a Stargate SG one game with the Spycraft system. Um, there's enough differences that when I went and said, I'm going to go run a Stargate game on the weave. I looked at it and I said, now nah, that's not what I'm looking for. Um, yeah. Because the focus gets to be a lot different when you're exactly. dealing with, uh, with something that's kind of crunchy like Spycraft. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went for a more narrative based system. I actually used the window, uh, which is another yeah. great free short system. And if you're talking about, things where you can touch hard sci-fi and not have a lot of rules. Yeah. Sci-fi horror works really well on the window. Yeah. There, I mean, there are just some things that don't work well on play by post, uh, face to face. I've done the Stargate RPG. I've done the Spycraft, and it's a lot of fun, mm -hmm. but on a play by post may not be the best. Um, I wouldn't do role master. Yeah, and anything. I love, I actually enjoy Rollmaster. I would not do Rollmaster on play by post. Um, I feel anything like that involves something... a lot of fiddlies and lookups and, and yeah. repartee between players becomes difficult when Cumbersome you're in a asynchronous media. Yeah. You yeah. Can, you can supplement with Discord to a degree, but if you're doing a, so much via Discord, ultimately it stops being a play by post game and starts being a synchronous session based yeah. Yeah. internet game. Anyway, Different sorry. <laughs> At what point does a hybrid game stop being a Mythweaver's play-by-post hybrid game and start being just an off-site game? When you stop when you using just the use site the resources. Yeah. When you just use the sheets. All right. So <laughs> I don't think I have anything else to add on the Expanse other than... Moving you know, along, it, now that Eric has brought up site rules randomly... Bum, bum, bum. It's what I do. That's true. That's my old old job. Now I now I can fiddle with things and let Josh deal with the hammer. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> um but yeah, I we have missed a bunch of stuff. Like Uncharted Worlds is a powered by the apocalypse sci-fi. Mm. Um the Firefly Cortex system. We have missed missed a bunch because there's we'd be here for days. There are some good ones out there. Um, these are just the ones that we thought would cover most of it. 
Um, and of course, tastes may vary. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yep. And uh, explore all you want. Yeah, Tiff, you may have time. I don't. Uh- <laughs> we got we to gotta get through all these genres in a season or two. We can't be here yeah. forever. Yeah. Uh, I, sci-fi probably could have just been one season on its own. Maybe we'll do that. Just one, one, um, one setting or set of rules an episode that that'll that'll take us forever throw down on weight (laughs) we'll leave exploring specific systems till maybe season six yeah i think that's probably a good idea yeah Um, tiffany maybe we'll get uh crawford on so he can talk about stars without a number and worlds without a number that'd make tiffany happy yeah also i'm pretty sure that's one we could actually get we should try that at some point. Um, I think one of the uh, the other notes, just to add on, kind of to wrap all of these system discussions up, a lot of times when you're in these um, science fiction games, you're going to end up with avenues of combat that are substantially different from each other, whether it's space combat or hacking or psionic battles or what have you. Uh, there's a degree of specialization that sometimes ends up in a tough choice situation where this combat suits itself to one character, one player, and everyone else is kind of sidelined. That is a particularly bad thing for play by post because then you're setting the posting rate of the entire game based on the fastest that that player and the GM can communicate with each other. Boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look look at the motivation of each character as a GM and um, try and figure out what would be interesting for them. You've got your mercenary at heart uh, type, which is quite often. Let's be honest, it's the easiest one to include in any campaign. Uh, someone who just wants to explore, find new places. Um Another fairly easy one to include, except maybe they're not that interested in combat. Uh, your secret agent or just agent who's doing the job. Probably easier to combine with the um, mercenary at heart. Your unexpected hero, your coming of age story, basically. And the big bad epic honor Harrington epic hero type thing. So Nothing wrong with her. No, there's not. You just no. gotta. I really want to argue that classification of her, though. Okay. You don't, you don't consider she her. She may game not hero? think. She may well, not think she's the epic hero, but she, the she turns from the unexpected into the epic hero. Well, it's one of those things, and Eric, you understand. She's just the captain that's like willing to push things, but the book also makes clear it's like. Yeah, she made the call. She didn't make it happen just because she decided something. Okay, there's uh, Bujold's Miles um, Versagian. Is that how you say it? Oh, uh, Lewis McMaster Bujold. Um, it's a good series. It's in a sci-fi setting. He ends up being the epic hero, the guy that ends up doing everything. Mm-hmm. Um 
And when you pick your characters, do try and pick them so that they mesh with one another. So you don't have that. Um, you've got the hacker. Yes, that's very important to sci-fi, cyberpunk. I mean, it is very important. Mm -hmm. But figure out a way. Yeah. Yeah, from a GM for, perspective, play-by-post gives you an avenue Thank you. there. Thank you, you can... <laughs> I appreciate you telling me. I can't say that last name. Sorry. Nice. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Um, it, what uh, what uh, dear husband was uh, speaking up there in chat uh, is exactly what I was about to hit, is that if you can run things in parallel, and play-by-post offers you enormous flexibility to run things in parallel with yes. threads private threads so even if it's the hackers operating in the unseen world that no one can get to you can lock yeah. that thread off and they're the only one who sees it until you post in the other thread oh something went wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, the alarms began screaming <laughs> at which point i think every player starts cursing out the hacker yeah <laughs> yeah um but that's that's an example where play by post is actually easier to do that in parallel than it is in a, than at the tabletop. Right. I mean, how many times have you been in Shadowrun and the hacker goes off and everybody's like, okay, I guess I'll go get a drink. Um, or two. Yeah. It could be a while. There's uh, a lot of dice to roll. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it just depends on each setting, each set of rules. Um, some do it better where you can do it in conjunction in turn rounds. There are some that you can do the hacker in the same turn as combat. So they're doing something while everybody else is in combat. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot more fun for the hacker when it's like, I don't work well under pressure. You <laughs> need to break this now because they're coming. Yeah. <laughs> blam, 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 blam. Keep that in mind as a GM. Um, and yeah, uh, play by post, you can set up a separate um, thread, private, that only they can see. And that would be fantastic. That's a brilliant idea. Thank you, Eric. As opposed to at the table, you got to kind of sequester them off to one side and the rest of the table sitting there bored for, you know, five, ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. We've decided this mission isn't going to succeed. <laughs> uh, that's the worst part of Shadowrun. Actually, well, okay, the worst yeah. part of Shadowrun is the, uh, like, 15 days that you spend doing all your planning before you can actually execute the mission. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But the second worst part of is, is when the hacker you know, finishes up the, okay, we're, we're breaking in, and it doesn't work. You're like, oh, well, all that 15 days that we just spent are wasted, and now we're just running. Yeah. Run and shoot, run and shoot. Yeah, okay, I agree. The planning stage can be completely fun, just like the uh, character creation minigame in Traveler can be completely fun with with the right group that is enjoying yes. the process. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, that's what it comes down to. We're playing a game. Enjoy I the still, process of playing the game. If I it's not fun, don't do it. Yeah, the, the minigame of character creation in Traveler is much more fun face-to-face -face in a group where you can laugh at each other. Absolutely. Oh, look, you, instead of being a scout, became a flower planter. <laughs> Combat flower arrangement. You're really good at it. Doesn't do much in combat, but hey. Yeah. All right. So uh, that puts us right at the hour mark, which is actually pretty, 
decently on time. We're going to take a five-minute break here, and then we'll jump back in with the uh, the game of the episode here at uh, 9.14. Yes. My... All right. It's 9.14. That means five minutes are up. Colin, <laughs> are we on re-recording yet? We never stop recording. Okay, that's right. We're just going to strip it out of the middle. Yes, I'm totally <laughs> editing these videos before I upload them. <laughs> what do we pay you for again? Yeah, right. <laughs> Not this. Oh. Of course, we didn't pay Nathan either, so. Yeah. Very spare. All right, so uh, I guess we're back, uh, which means that it's time for this game of uh, the episode. Game of the episode. Uh, so, bring it up. This episode's highlighted game is Whispers in Akara, brought to you by the GM, Sikara. Not sure if it was meant to rhyme, but it does. So, awesome. <laughs> uh, Whispers in Akara is a community-building Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition game with Stardew Valley-inspired mechanics set in the map of an ancient two-dimensional, massively multiplayer online role-playing game. So, your character will be a resident of the town of Serenity, which is ironically a bustling and cutthroat city of commerce. Uh, and, as is common with these types of games, you'll be responding to an ad placed on one of those ubiquitous bulletin boards. I love uh, the bulletin board ad itself. The bulletin board ad is, is, is really great. I think Colin's got it scrolled there. Yep, I got it. Nice. Um, so with working seasons and farming and mining, and the mines, of course, are dungeons that you can explore and monsters grow ever more dangerous as you delve deeper and deeper till you get to the Balrog. Don't get to the Balrog. Um, but with friendly forest spirits, there's always something to, to interact with or participate in. Uh, so this, I think, is a, a fun-looking game. Uh, if you were a child of the 80s like me, or if you are inspired by the 80s, uh, you'll certainly find yourself a welcome home in uh in whispers in a car uh there's not a set deadline for characters so while there's no pressure if you get your characters in early you'll be able to enjoy more fun so yeah whispers in a car join Yay. it have fun yeah this looks great i love this i yeah they I like did the a lot font. of work on this one the mm -hmm. font is the font is the best <laughs> it's so Yes. So 1980s graphics. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's a really really well done ad, and they put a lot of work into it. So. And it's there were several awesome. ones this week, so uh, mm -hmm. uh, this is a little hard pickings, which I think is a good trend. We're we're starting to tick back up, seeing more game ads, which is a good thing. We're coming out of the tough winter. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, tough winter. I'm so ready for this winter to be done. Yeah. Yeah. I just... Yeah. I'm ready to pretend it's actually a new year. <laughs> I mean, we're in month, what, 15 now? Month 15. Yeah, month 15. Of 2020. 15, mm -hmm. 2020. <laughs> it's like that meme where it's like 12, 31, 2020. Everyone's like, yay! And then it ticks, it says 13 1 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it! Pretty much. No! All right. So, it's time for the free for all. In the free for all, we answer questions and generally just tangent without having to follow any script. 
Of course, though, starting out, we must first answer what is making us happy. We'll start with Amy. Um, I got a new car. Well, a new used car. Um, it's yeah, it's an SUV. It's a the Mazda CX five, and uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty shade of blue. The red is a gorgeous red, and they just didn't have a blue that was quite close. But everybody here has the red, so we went with blue, and it gets much better gas mileage than my big old Yukon Denali that was massive. That for we're pretty much yeah we're pretty much empty nesters now. We didn't need that big of a car, <laughs> although now we're planning on going to Zion National Park, and we're going, oh, we should have kept it a little longer. Because <laughs> then we could have piled everybody into one vehicle with the camping gear and everything. It's still been fine. Now we're going, oh, we're going to need two vehicles. You can travel in style. Yes. Comfort. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, not much on my end. Um, that was the big – it was actually kind of funny. I'm, like, trying to think of stuff to do because – just my husband and I said, let's go look at vehicles. We go down there and he finds one. He goes, all right, we'll get it. And I went, what? <laughs> that was fun. That was actually what? Right before last episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Wait. And we're like, Amy, Amy's, where are you, Amy? Uh, it might be a little bit late. We're at the dealership still. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like, like, I know how these what? dealership things go. We even called and said, we're coming at this time. We want to be ready to then go. they take and... you into the back room with a big stick and they're like, contract. Yeah. <laughs> but that wasn't, yeah. But you. it was just, they kept, they they had nobody in. They said, yeah, you'll be fine. Come on in. And they ended up selling three other cars right before we mm -hmm. were ready to sign the paper. The like, business <laughs> office was busy. And it was a Saturday, so there's only one person there. Oh, naturally. But it was kind of hysterical. And I'm like, wait, now? Are you serious? <laughs> I just wanted to go do something with you. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. No no reason no reason to wait. No time like the present. We'd already decided that's the vehicle we wanted. And it was a good deal for low miles and package that we wanted. And yeah. Now I just have to fight him over who's driving it each day. Fair enough. Yeah. I let my wife fix it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's like, I don't shop. I just go to buy. <laughs> Although I have seen you buy things going, oh my gosh, this is insanely on sale. I'm just getting it. Rarely, but it has happened. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Eric, what's making you happy this week? Well, I got my second shot. Actually, the thing that probably is making me mostly happy is that it was on Wednesday. Because if it was later in the week, uh, this would have been a little dicey show. Because Thursday, I was laid out. Which Ugh. one was it? Uh, Pfizer. And, yeah, just, uh, you know, low-grade fever, nausea, headaches. Not really I, bad, just like you know the flu. In terms, I of could the side effect. I could probably go get mine. Just the other two in the household can't yet. I have been debating whether you it's get it. 
Yeah. Whether to wait for them. I mean, they just dropped the age to 50. So give it a couple weeks and it'll be dropped even further. But right. yeah, just go and get it. <laughs> We're not going to talk about worldly talk, but I already had the government microcontrolling nanobots in my blood. I mean, like all this hardware over here is not mine. So uh, uh, yeah, I, he, I got no choice. He, yes, yes. Ansel, he he does a job similar to what you used to do. Well, not similar, but it's still it's, coding it's, within the same yeah, it's related. alphabet soup. So, yeah, I mean, the, the big relief is I got the vaccine and my kids are going back into actually my, my daughter, high schooler daughter, just started in-person school. Yes, uh, Thursday. So not that a moment was, too soon. Yeah. But that was hard. Risk category, right? I am in that super high risk category of yeah. we don't want you to get this disease in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. So, yeah, major relief on that front. Uh, Yay. And so, yeah. And uh, it's the first soccer tournament of the year. So I ended Ooh. up having to go referee a game like at 6 p.m. tonight. And I still made it back for the show. So that was good. So proud of you. Oh, wow. And my yeah. daughter's team won. With better time than they got one, a tie and a win so far, so they're doing well. <laughs> it's all good things right now. Yeah. Oh, and there's there's other redacted stuff, but let's just let's just say the good things are going on. Redacted, redacted is redacted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Colin, what about you? Uh, I got a job. Woo! Which yeah, that's Mister uh... Fire number seven. Here <laughs> No, no, this would be six. If this turns out to be another dumpster oh, fire, this is number six in the series. I'm I'm counting school as a dumpster fire. No, 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 no. That's that's its own mess. School was just bureaucracy, which is not necessarily a dumpster fire. It just uh, is. How, how was your student services, would you say? How was your oh, teacher classroom was experience? So that was solid. Good. I blame the administration for the various problems. Like, <laughs> yeah, hey, let's yeah. take a chemistry class and make it all online, including a lab that looks like a badly done 1995 video game. <laughs> well, the administration, yeah, there's... Uh, oh, that's true, Logan. Yeah, Big that's, yeah, that's accurate, problem. Logan. I... Less pride, the more there was a was... lot of rage. Was, was doing all that worldly talk thing where they were talking out of both sides of their mouth because they wanted to tell people that they were going to be in person so that they wouldn't like decide, you know, I'm just not going to do school. I'm going to I'm going to step away for a while. And then they were also talking out of the other side of the mouth and saying the situation is really not good. So we're probably going to have to like change and go virtual at some point. Yeah. Like the first day of school for the rest of the term. Yeah. <laughs> But they didn't tell the teachers to plan for that until two weeks before. Mm -hmm. And that makes it hard because I, yeah, I had a, my youngest graduated in June and that was hard. Yeah. Because the teachers didn't know what they were doing. So he had one class that was given him eight hours worth of homework and he still had other classes. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. was hard. Hopefully things have worked out better. I know his best friend is a few months younger than he is, but on the other side, the so he's a year, yeah, mm -hmm. 
Um, and he's he's got a job. He goes half to a technical school for their um, uh, composites class. He's taken that, and then he does half time at the high school. And he says it's much better than it was last year. So mm -hmm. it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Our, our, ours have been improving, and now they're now they're working on the hybrid model, which will be even more excitingly broken, I'm sure. But yeah, that's the way it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it will be. Let's be perfectly honest. But hey, they'll have it, and they'll have that experience just in case. Yes, yes. just in case something bad happens again. Because there are some students who learn a lot better that way. Mm -hmm. If you can get the accountability up, virtual schooling can be good for some students. Mm -hmm. I, my oldest one went to a high school that was go at your own place virtual go at your own pace, virtual. And when he went, oh, crap, I've got to get all this done. Man, he he did, though. I mean... Cranked it out. Cranked it out. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Right. We, uh, we have some user questions if you'd fine. like to dive into those, Eric. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it, it's funny. When we actually solicit user questions in advance, we, uh, we get We get questions. Uh, first one was from user Derek, who asks... How do you handle players whose view of how things work diverges from the GM and other players so much that it becomes disruptive uh, without resorting to physics or game physics type lectures? Mm. Wow, that's, uh, that's an excellent question. Um, so we're going to start with communicate. Tell Colony owes this one. I'm getting another drink. Okay, good. We just, one too. we just did communicate. I mean, the big deal is um, making sure that you have a common understanding of the game kind of up front. Um, this is, I think, particularly important in this sci-fi genre that we were just talking about, about hard sci-fi, where yeah. the rules kind of matter because they define the boundaries. Uh, but it will certainly... It will certainly matter in even a D and D game, uh, where well, I think my spell does this. Um, ultimately, the GM is the arbiter here. They're going to need yeah. to make a ruling, whether it's one way or another. And if you're going to have this type of diverging opinion as to how things work, it's really incumbent on the GM to think long and hard about whether it's right to have this player at the table. It could be a momentary thing where someone just needs to find a way to politely remind them that, again, the GM is the arbiter and they need to respect the knowledge and opinion and direction that the GM wants to take the game. You've got to have that respect for the GM. They're the ones doing you the favor, to be perfectly right. honest. They're putting in more work than you are. Yeah, the, the, the A Discord very... discussion is a good idea. Tiff, um... but really that if you're having to get to the point of convincing debating convincing someone that you're right and to get them to admit that you're right you've probably left the reservation when it comes to keeping that relationship in the game because um, ultimately the games run on what yeah, what's termed in the social contract world, common consent. Everyone basically agree. Stop <laughs> rolling around, Colin. <laughs> Making me dizzy. Everyone has to agree on. Oh. 
the framework for their interactions. And if you're you have a player that just doesn't want to play ball, it is not it is not worth the group's effort to try and convince them to play ball. There it's not are, imperative to keep them. You don't. There are thousands, have to do that. thousands of players on the weave. There are in inevitably in every game advertisement, except for all except for only the most obscure systems. In general, there are always an excess of players and GMs are making decisions about which players to take and which players not to take. And we've covered this in other episodes about fishing and cutting bait with players and keeping in touch yep. with those who are kind of on the backup list. Yes. So you, you basically have to just draw the line and say, look, yeah, this is exactly. how I, as the GM ruled it. If you don't like it, you either just have to suck it up and, and move along or Thanks for playing. No hard feelings. Hope to see you again in another game. But Logan's we just can't keeping have that. it uh, within the genre. Just put him in the <laughs> yes. airlock. Goodbye. Lock. Yeah. And move on. Yeah. There's a dead body. Someone <laughs> is suspect. <laughs> no, the GM. Totally did it. Yeah. And, and it's the hard part of being a GM, but sometimes you have to make that decision. And sometimes you have to. Uh, privately message the GM going, I support you. Mm -hmm. So the GM knows that they're not alone here. The whole group. Mm -hmm. Right. And so Um, as a fellow player, it's important for you to stand up, not to argue with the other player, because that would be inappropriate. But to just say, hey, the GM said this. Let's go. Right. And yeah, and just let the GM know that you're be you're standing with them, unless you disagree completely with the GM. And then again, it's the GM's game; they're so the arbiter. That's how they want to run it. And you can say, "Well, maybe this game wasn't for me. Thank you. I've had fun, but I think I should leave now." Yeah, that's that's the exact opposite. Yeah, there's a there's a boundary where if you're not happy in the game and you don't like the way the GM's ruling it. There are plenty of other games. Let's go find one mm-hmm. or start your own. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't be silent. It comes down to the communicate. Fine. Fine. I got it. I got it. All right. All right. Next question comes from Sir Logan of Gilead. Uh, he asks, uh, and this is, one that we've he he reminds me that we've touched on before but he just had forgotten the answer and didn't want to bother to go look it up in all of our back episodes so it probably doesn't hurt to cover this on occasion how long would you recommend having an advertisement up on Mythweavers for a super popular game system like fifth edition or pathfinder compared to something really obscure and of course he calls out gurps which isn't all that obscure but okay moderately obscure okay uh, fifth edition Pathfinder, anything where it's a widely played system. You put out a good ad, and oh god, how do I choose? You know, six out of fifty. Right. Set it for a week. Set it for ten days. Mm-hmm. Whenever, as soon as you think you can get around to reviewing the applications, because you will have twenty. Oh yeah. Maybe thirty. Easily. Easy. And close it. Don't just yeah. say. Okay, I'm not accepting new ones. I'm reviewing these, so you've got a couple of days to finish. Yeah, just close but the if thread. You're, yeah, but if you're not finished, then I'm moving on. 
yeah, because you're definitely it's about time management and you've yeah for a more obscure game two to three weeks yeah definitely don't uh for the popular ones don't do a three-week ad because yeah then you're getting your 30 plus applications and god help you it's it's going to be chaos yeah I've seen Pathfinder games with 70 plus. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my favorite was still Nathan that one time. When he went over to roll 20 and when and, he went to roll 125 and apps. Mythweaver's Myth quality ad <laughs> got flooded. Holy cow. Oh, yeah. Poor Nathan. Poor Nathan. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's. There's definitely plenty of people who are interested in the other systems. The the less yes. the less common systems, what you're dealing with more than the flood is the the asynchronous nature of play by post. Not well, everyone jumps in to check the ads all the time. Accessibility too of the mm -hmm. system itself. Hyper. Mm -hmm. Hyper. Uh, it is important to not be too obscure. Um, there's plenty of systems that are out there where no one's ever seen them before. Um, right. if you're, if you're inviting someone to, uh, to, to apply for a game where they're going to need to buy a $50 rule book, uh, um, that's a barrier to entry that you're going to have to overcome somehow. It's going to have right. to be an amazing ad with a, a concept that really knocks their socks off. A barrier I have to this overcome that doesn't involve breaking copyright rules. Yes, Absolutely. please don't well, no, do that. I didn't say share the rules with them. Yes. Because that would be breaking copyright laws, and that is absolutely no no on Mythweavers. If we find it. you doing that, you will get the hammer very quickly. I can only roll in so far because my dog just squeezed under the desk and laid down. Wants to be yeah. your wants to be your foot warmer. When the dog is hundred twenty pounds, that's not an insignificant amount of space taken. No. no it's not. Yeah, well, it... you know. He loves Logan, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dawn of Worlds is not mainstream. It's on the more obscure, I would say, but it's definitely interesting. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, just avoid copyright, please, because that that gets really nasty on us. If you've uh, ever wondered how hard the site staff will slap someone the first time offense. Copyright. Copyright's going to be in pretty hard slap instantly the rest were pretty because nice about overall depending. copyright copyright will get our site taken down so we are hard on it cease and desist notices aren't fun nope. no not doing it yep all right so let's move on to something more fun yes colin in a bikini yay or nay 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 the bad photoshop exists only Come on, come on, Twitch chat. We want your votes. <laughs> this is a question from Logan, Tiffany. Don't look at me. <laughs> Besides, we... we've already there are already pictures of Colin in a dress. So, like I said, that that's for Jim and Jim only. Oh no, that was post Navy. Yeah, that was. Well, you're never out of the Navy. <laughs> that was oh crap I forgot you know I need a costume for the uh, VFW Halloween party hey look 
women's auxiliary dresses from the you know, 60s. Yeah, I can fit in that one. Did you put on the heels? That's the question. There were no shoes. Okay. I definitely would have tried to play Bambi if there were heels, but... Okay, Clinger. <laughs> well, so far, the, the results are positive. People are <laughs> intrigued by the concept. No. So... <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, you don't understand. I've already done things like wear silkies. If you don't know what those are, those are the uh, Marine Ultra Short PT shorts. Like workout shorts. I don't have shame, people. Yeah, we should have realized that. The Navy surgically extracts it when you sign the contract. <laughs> and any, any, any shame you have left goes away halfway through boot camp. All right. All right. I think we're, we're probably at the limit of, of questions that we can do this week, so we'll keep the other ones for later. Yes, because yeah, those could we need give to think about rambles. It. Oh, they certainly would. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I'm here. Yeah, that's true. That alone. <laughs> I I could take up the entire podcast just tangenting. All right, so, on a tangent. Once I get the link copied. All right, so before we close out. We're going to talk about the Mythweavers in-person meetup, Take Two. This is the Mythweavers Kalamazoo meetup. So, got postponed last year from the pandemic. With the vaccine rollout, we're pretty hopeful about having our first ever site in-person meetup, July 24th and 25th, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, in the United States. So, we're looking at a day and a half of gaming there will be food there will be camaraderie there will be well general i i can't imagine it'll be that different from the site with the general chaos just we'll all be in person uh, right. my wife plus, says in general it's going to be the equivalent of william wallace screaming freedom <laughs> freedom so tickets are $50 for both days or 30 for Saturday, 20 for Sunday, if you can only do one day or part of a day. There is a discount if you are a game master that is going to run a game for the event. More information is available at myth-weavers.com and on the Warhorn registration page linked off of that. So yeah, that is, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be chaos. Looking forward to finally actually getting to run a game for this group. Shenanigans, <laughs> like Tiffany mentions. Shenanigans. Yeah. Trick would that, be getting Tiffany. Yeah, you know, Tiffany, I'm probably going to run the stars with that number one shot. Just saying. She just needs to, like... Drink up, guys. Tangen tangentially mentioned to Absent that she's interested in... Uh... <laughs> She might be able to get a plane ticket. <laughs> Depends on if he goes to visit. A anywhere. world without numbers, what's probably happening on the site, Logan? Because, you know, final rules are out. Alright, anyway, before we... <laughs> That's important. Yeah, before we go wildly uh, down the rabbit Tangent. hole... 
Eric, yeah, close why don't us we, out. Why don't, why don't we close this out so that we can switch over to After Dark? Yes. All right, but before we wrap up the show, I just want to remind all of our viewers that Weaving Myth is made possible by our Patreon. If you'd like to support us and get access to the sweet, sweet rewards available to you, definitely consider signing up. If you didn't catch us live, don't forget you can post on Mythweavers or on our Facebook page or on our Twitter feed with any questions, corrections, or other general correspondence. And in all events, you could always email us at weavingmythspodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you and can't wait to read your gaming stories or answer your questions. I'm Eric, and I've been joined tonight by the magnificent Amy. Bye! And Colin. Then fun, folks. Thanks for listening, and keep on weaving those myths.